Hey everybody, this is Ian Reed Twist, pastor at Holy Cross Episcopal Church in Novi, Michigan. Today's sermon was preached on August 18th, and the passage was Hebrews 11, 29 to 12, 2. And I will read that passage first, as usual. Uh, if you want to skip the reading and go straight to the sermon, just skip ahead about two minutes and five seconds. All right, enjoy. A reading from the book of Hebrews. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. About a decade ago, I took up running for a hot minute, as they say, and I recently came across some photos taken of me at my first half marathon in South Bend, Indiana, on a hot and sticky Saturday morning in June, 13.1 miles. And there were two of these photos that really told the story of that race. The first one was around mile seven, about halfway through, and I looked like this. <laughs> the second was taken yards away from the finish line, and I looked like this. <laughs> From these photos, you might almost have thought I was two different people. One having a good race, disciplined and persevering, taking the hills in stride, conquering the course, and maybe even enjoying it. The other having a terrible race, ravaged, in agony, and just trying to endure to the end. But I remember one thing that surprised me about the whole racing experience. And that was what a difference it made 
at every stage of the race to have spectators cheering me on. People sitting on their front porches or clumped at the turnarounds, clapping and shouting, keep it up, or you can do it. And towards the end, come on, gut it out, gut it out. I mean, I didn't know a soul at this race. And yet even in that last agonizing mile, those words of encouragement prickled the skin along my arms and kept me going. Which brings me to the Bible and the way certain passages can etch their way into your mind and become refrains, words that keep coming back around like old friends who show up when you need comfort. One of those passages for me is a line from today's reading in Hebrews, which uses this notion of a race as a metaphor for life. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, like those two photos from my half marathon, Hebrews has offered up two different portraits of how the life of faith can be. The first of these is like my mile seven photo. It speaks of the victories that faithful people have won, the rescue of the Israelites passing through the Red Sea, the conquest of Jericho where the walls came tumbling down, the vindication of a whole list of Old Testament characters who escaped death or led successful military campaigns or quenched fires. But alongside this picture of strength and reward, Hebrews lays another kind of image more like my photo at mile 13. Here are the stories of faithful Christians who, quote, did not receive what was promised, unquote, in this life. They were cast out or imprisoned or persecuted or tortured or killed. They didn't triumph in the race. They endured. And yet they, too, are examples and witnesses for us. So part of Hebrews' point expressed in this phrase, let us run the race that is set before us, is that each of us has a different race set before us. Some have better weather, fewer hills, less injury than others. Some have faster bodies. Some have more endurance. Who can say why? It's one of the great mysteries of life that some die young, that some suffer more that some are born into easy circumstances and some into hard. Hebrews doesn't explain that mystery. The race itself is what it is. Our text merely affirms that there are good and faithful people, beloved children of God, who've run every kind of race on this earth. In fact, Hebrews reminds us, 
Those people are the supportive spectators cheering us along our own race. Whichever course is set before us, whatever anguish or joy may meet us along the way, the witnesses are there. Those who ran well, those who struggled, those who had easy courses, those who didn't. Those in our lives who passed into the sidelines recently and those who did so long ago. All of them are there around us, this great cloud of witnesses as we toil up the hills and pound down the long, hot straightaways and stumble toward the finish. They're calling out to us, keep it up. You can do it. Come on, gut it out. There they are with Jesus surrounding and upholding us. And faith reminds us to remain open to their presence, to draw inspiration from their example, to call on them for strength when our own is failing. Well, that's all very well, you may be thinking, but what does it actually look like? Well, obviously, we find help in these witnesses in different ways. But here's one really concrete example. Sometime back, one of my parents' cousins crossed over into the cloud of witnesses. I'll call her Wendy. She was in her late 60s, one of those who'd had a hard race to run on this earth, dysfunctional family early on, addiction problems, health problems, and a family tree littered with untimely deaths, including two of her three children. So then almost a year after she had died, I was surprised to find that someone had posted on her Facebook page. It was a nephew of hers, a young man who struggled with substance use in his own life. The note had no punctuation or capitals. It looked as if it had been poured out in a rush and posted without an edit, straight and unfiltered from his heart. I'm going to filter some of the language for the sake of the occasion here. This is what he wrote. Well, Wendy, you would be proud. I went to the NA meeting tonight. I haven't been since you died. I haven't been doing good. And so I went with a friend, and when I got there, there wasn't anybody to chair the meeting. And one of the people that was at the meetings when you would take me asked about you. I told her what happened to you. Then she said she had relapsed and couldn't run the meeting and asked me if I could. And as you always told me to just say yes when you're at a meeting and they ask you to do something, so I did. I didn't have time either, but I just thought of you and what you would have done. I freaking miss you. I think it's freaking BS that I can't just go see you and tell you this or call. This is what I have to work with. And it's not good enough, but you know all too well this feeling that I'm left with be good. I love you. Amen. Okay, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to this week's sermon. 
And if you want more information about me or the church, you can always go to our website, Holy Cross Novi, that's N-O-V-I dot org. And in the meantime, have a blessed week, and you can find more sermons as we publish them in the same place you found this one. Take care.